You're listening to The Bossy Type, your unconventional how-to for building a bold business or personal brand through the power of words and sometimes other creative stuff. I'm Elise, director and head writer of Bossy Copywriting, home of bold clients, funny writers and the occasional swear word. Every Tuesday and Friday, I'll be sharing my bite-sized wisdom, quizzing creative experts and chatting with the brands you wish you were. So make a margarita and join me for The Bossy Type, where we make words and brands our bitch. Before we get started, a quick PSA. Head to bossycreative.com to download my very free, very juicy guide to building a bold brand. It's packed with loads of tips from Bossy's favorite creative experts and covers everything from copywriting to graphic design to social media to marketing to everything else. Okay, hit subscribe now because we all know you're going to forget and let's get started. Hey, welcome to episode 20 of The Bossy Type. So proud of myself for making it to 20 episodes. I often love to start a project and go all out for the first week or so and then kind of lose interest. (laughs) Gemini life, but not this one. I have made it to 20 episodes, which in my world is cause for celebration. Normal people would probably do a celebratory episode at maybe the 100, 200 mark, but not me. We are celebrating at 20 episodes today with a really juicy episode that I'm hoping will be super helpful for anyone that is currently side hustling or has just completely taken the leap to start their own business and is currently living off baked beans for the foreseeable future. (laughs) If you follow me on Insta at bossy.copywriting, you will have seen that I was on my stories last week saying that I wanted to dedicate this episode to these business newbies because after all, that's what the bossy type is all about, DIYing a bold, successful brand. I put a call out on my stories asking for your requests when it comes to questions and topics that you're struggling with at the very early stages of your business. And I got such a mixed bag of responses from finance, which was an obvious one, to convincing your family you're not a complete psycho for just quitting your job in order to follow your equally psycho dream. So I thought what better way to A, celebrate my 20th episode of The Bossy Type and B, help you on your side hustle journey than to share the top 20 things that I wish I knew when I started Bossy so you can basically just copy me. Okay, let's do it. Number one, this might be a little bit of an obvious one, but ease into it. Try to have something to fall back on. It doesn't necessarily have to be a job, but that would be great. Having a part-time or casual job to fall back on just takes so much risk out of it. But if you don't have that, then having some savings is vital. So you kind of need to plan ahead. Okay, I'm going to quit my job in three months or six months, or I know I'm going to start a business then. So maybe you need to work out, okay, I really want to save up five grand or 10 grand, and you can start making those life changes to get where you want to go. Number two, money isn't the only form of success. Obviously, money is very nice. I like money as much as the next gal. But for me, money isn't the reason that I started Bossy. For me, freedom is probably more of a success factor. I love the idea of setting up a business which allows me to just take my laptop back to Queensland where I'm from or to Greece or to Paris and just work from there if I wanted to. Obviously, I haven't really been able to have 
a lot of freedom in the past few years as I set it up. But now I'm getting to the point where if I did want to go overseas, I probably could afford to do that in terms of having the freedom. So I think you kind of need to get it out of your head that money is the only factor of success and start thinking about what you would want out of your business instead. Number three, there is always going to be someone or maybe even a few people that bring you back down to earth. It doesn't mean that you always have to listen to them. So obviously your family and friends, they mean well, they just want the best for you and they don't want you making any silly decisions that will have you homeless in one month. But I think if you just have an honest conversation with them and show how passionate about it you are, and if you do have that job or that savings to fall back on, then they can't really say too much about it. I also think you've just got to go with your gut. If you feel like this is your dream and this is going to work for you, then you're always going to regret it if you don't give it a shot. So just see what happens. Obviously, the best form of proof is for you to actually succeed, which should be a driving factor and give you motivation to actually get it done. Number four, get your finances on track early. I can't stress this one enough. It's so, so important, but it's something that I'm still learning about every single day. I'm obviously a words person, not a numbers person, but obviously your finances are super important, especially when you're just starting out. So I would recommend at the very basic getting a spreadsheet, just an Excel spreadsheet and keeping track of all your incomings and outgoings. So in the very early days, I had that spreadsheet. As soon as I got a project locked in, I would put the uh, invoice number, the description and the total amount in the spreadsheet. So when it came time for the end of the month for me to do my invoicing, I could just return to that spreadsheet and know exactly what invoices I needed to send. I still do that process now, but instead of just sending the invoices manually, I use QuickBooks, which I also really recommend because it means you can keep track of all your invoices in one spot and also review things like your profit and loss, which can be really helpful as well. The other thing that I have to mention is to make sure you're putting your tax aside (laughs) Otherwise, you're going to be stung with a obnoxious bill that you have no hope of paying. So for me, whenever I receive an invoice, I take 40% out of it straight away and I put that into a tax fund. So then when I have to pay my tax quarterly or at the end of the year, I know that the money is sitting there and I haven't already spent it on a new coffee machine for the office. Lastly, another thing that I would mention with the finances, I've never done this, but I'm actually thinking about doing this now, is allocating buckets of money for different things. So up until now, I've always just had two accounts. I've had my everyday business account and the everyday savings account, which is a great place to start if you're not really sure even what to do at that point. But now I'm sort of thinking that it's a little bit easier for me because I'm a visual person. I think I need to have different buckets of money for different things. So I'm actually going to set up a few different bank accounts, one for my tax, one for my super, one for my expenses, one for my pay. So I can clearly see how much I've got to spend on each thing. Okay. Number five, if you want to look legit, invest in branding. I'm not saying you have to go and spend $20,000 working with an agency. You could even maybe work with a local freelance graphic designer, but branding is so important because obviously it's going to make you look so much more professional and attract your dream clients as well. So if there's anything that I would invest my money in, obviously copywriting and tone of voice, but if I wasn't looking at that, then branding would definitely be something I would go with. When I first 
started, I had a friend who was a graphic designer build me quite a basic website, but it was very on brand for me. And I always got lots of compliments on that website. Even though looking back now, I was like, oh, it's probably not the best website in the world, but it did the job then. And I'm so glad I did that versus trying to build something myself. Also, in those very early stages, you've got so many other things that you could be doing to launch your business. The last thing you want to be doing is sitting up all hours of the morning trying to code a fucking website. Number six, you will not be fulfilled if it doesn't align with you or your values. So if you're just starting a business because you want to make money, I guarantee it's not going to work out. You need to try and find a link between you and your personality and your business. So why does this business matter to you? What's your purpose for starting it? If you're just doing it for superficial reasons, it's not going to last very long. So for me, Bossy is obviously really upbeat and cheeky and I kind of wanted to start a business, one, to help people that need, especially new businesses and things like that. But also I felt like I needed something that aligned with my personality. I wasn't going to be happy if I had to work in a corporate office. So I kind of designed the business to match me. So I would definitely recommend doing that and also figuring out what matters to you as a person and what your values are and making sure that you integrate them in your business as well. Number seven, copywriting. Obviously super important. This is a copywriting podcast, but if you do want to save money here, another way you can go about it, which I would recommend if we're just starting out is attempt to do your copy yourself and then get a professional copywriter to judge. It will be so much cheaper for you but you'll still get an amazing end result. So often I have clients come to me saying, oh, I've just started a brand. Unfortunately, I've got no money left in my budget because I've just built a website and I've paid a graphic designer for branding and they've kind of left copywriting and tone of voice last, which to me doesn't really make sense because obviously I'm a copywriter. So I think it's really, really important, but that's just the way it is. So if you do want some amazing copy, because obviously that's going to draw people in when they arrive on your website or social media, media, but you don't have a huge amount of money in your kitty, then the best way to go about it is to write it yourself and then get them to edit and make the tone consistent across the board. Number eight, online or short courses are an amazing way to upskill on a budget. So for me, this kind of works in two ways. The first is that maybe you are starting a new business and obviously you're going to be wearing many hats. You're going to be doing everything in your business, but you might not have the skills to do everything. So For example, say that you need some help with social media. You might invest in a social media online or short course so you can actually execute that task every week with confidence. The other angle is that maybe you want to improve your skills in the service that you'll be providing so you can actually maybe charge a little bit more. So rather than just going in blind or on the other hand, going to uni and spend $30,000, try and figure out where you might have gaps in your skill set or where you really want to upskill and look for online or short courses that match. Number nine, set up your processes and project management systems. So just like you set up your finance at the very beginning, it's really, really important to set up all your other processes. So obviously this is a work in progress as well, but for me, I really rely on Asana. So that is how I keep track of all my project management. If it's not in my Asana, it will not get done. So I actually create different tabs for different projects. So I know exactly what I'm working on, exactly what the super groupies are working on, 
and I can make sure that I don't forget a thing in my calendar. I also use Monday for my CRM, which is Client Relationship Manager. And that means that whenever I get an an inquiry, it goes straight into that Monday system and I can keep track of who's waiting on a response, who hasn't gotten back to me and where we're at in that inquiry phase. So it means that you never drop the ball and it means that you never miss out on those clients because you forgot to write back to an email, (laughs) which I have learned the hard way. Number 10, take advantage of SEO. So a couple of years ago, I had a meeting with a digital agency and I just basically asked them for some advice on SEO and it opened my whole world to how important SEO was. I thought it was just maybe weaving in a few keywords into your website copy, but it's also got a lot to do with the customer pathway that they take on the website. So I actually had my website redesigned in certain areas to make it more SEO friendly. And then I did all my own research when it comes to the on-page keywords and I weaved them into my copy. Now I think I have some like killer SEO going on because I get quite a lot of inquiries and quite a lot of random inquiries, but hey, still inquiries. So if you are looking to start a new website, look into your SEO There are so many websites that will help you DIY your SEO and I think one of them is AdWords, Google AdWords. Another one is keywordtool.io. So start exploring on Google, start searching keyword tool finders and things like that and just type in your skill or your service and start figuring out what those major keywords are. Another really good tip is to go on to Answer the Public and Uber Suggest. Those two tools will help you find out what your audience is Googling when it comes to your service or skill. So for me, I could type in copywriting and one of the main questions that comes up is what does a copywriter do? Or it could be how much does a copywriter charge? And that way you can start weaving in some of that content into your blog or your website. So in my about page, I might start a sentence with what does a copywriter do? Question mark. And then I will explain. So then if anybody's actually searching, what does a copywriter do into Google, hopefully my website will come up higher in the searches because I've weaved in that content. So yeah, look at Uber Suggest, look at Answer the Public and start Googling for SEO keyword tools and start implementing them yourself. If you do have a little bit more budget, you can actually invest in a SEO expert, even to have a meeting with or to go through your website and optimize it for you. Number 11, create a marketing strategy to keep you on track. So I'm actually going to dive into marketing a little bit more in an upcoming episode. But one thing that I really loved that my marketing friend taught me was that there's really two phases to marketing, awareness and then conversion. So if you're just starting out, what you really need to do is start at the awareness phase. So what can you do to improve your personal brand get your name out there, get your business out there and get your skill out there. So for me, it might be writing some articles in industry magazines or it might be appearing on someone's podcast. Once you start building that awareness, then it's a lot easier for you to move into the conversion stage. Also keep in mind that different clients will have different strategies. So I might really want to target lifestyle brands, which is probably my main target audience for Bossy. So how do I get their attention through the awareness? And then how can I convert them? So I might send them a customized pitch because they're my they're my dream client. Whereas my secondary target audience, I might just send them a pitch email. So it really depends on who it is and who you're trying to attract and what they're going to respond to. Number 
Number 12, pricing your service. This is such a popular one. I can totally get why. Everybody wants to know what everyone charges. My biggest piece of advice is to start off smaller and increase your prices as you gain experience. That's exactly what I did. And it really helped me to bring on clients in the very beginning. And then once I had a few clients under my belt and more experience, I was able to up my prices. As a bit of a ballpark, generally a junior creative freelancer would probably charge about $50 and it can go up to a senior, which might be up to $200. It really, really depends. And obviously if you're working with an agency, the prices are going to fluctuate as well. So just try and figure out what you feel like you're worth for that service and start sending out quotes. I would highly recommend as well tracking that. So in my Monday CRM, I actually have a section for lost. So if I get any clients that come back and say it's too expensive or they can't follow through for now, I make a note of the reason why and I can start tracking whether it's too, my prices are too expensive or maybe they're too low. Number 13, make sure that you are diversifying your income. So I've always exchanged time for money because obviously I'm a creative, but the problem with that is you're always capped. So I was always capped with how much I could create because obviously there's only me and there's only so many hours in the day. So now I'm starting to figure out how I can make more money without having to work 55 hours a day. So things like resources, templates, ebooks, courses, these are all things that can increase your cash flow and stop you exchanging time for money. Number 14, collaborate with other creatives or business owners to keep costs low while improving your skills. You've probably heard me in previous episodes saying that I collaborate with Pep Creative and the Sunday Agency. So Pep Creative is a social media and ideation agency and the Sunday Agency is branding and creative. So because I'm words, I kind of need those extra skills that I can offer to my clients. So I've teamed up with them and now when a client wants words, obviously they stay with me, but if the client really needs brand strategy or social media strategy or social media content or branding, then I can bring in those other agencies to provide an end-to-end service without actually having to bring on more staff. So if you're really specialized in one skill, start networking and finding people that might live in your city or might be in your network or circle or even in Facebook groups and things like that, that you can maybe keep on your speed dial should any of your clients need a bigger valued service. Number 15, get clear on your framework or process. You are only as good as your brief. So over time, I have really changed the way that I work with clients. In the beginning, I didn't really get much info from them. They would tell me what they needed and then I would attempt to write their copy. These days, I send a really, really in-depth questionnaire. Basically, it helps me crawl into their head. I understand exactly what they're looking for, exactly what tone they want, and it helps me to actually gather the information that I need to write in the copy as well. So I'm finding that as time goes on, this questionnaire is getting longer and longer and longer, but I find that the more information that I have to work with, the better job I can do. So my questionnaire is in Google Forms and it means that whenever I get a new client, I just make a copy of that briefing questionnaire. I might change a few questions here and there. I send that to them. Once they send me back their answers, I've got so much content to work with. Not only do I better understand what they're going for and what they want me to achieve, but I've got a lot of the actual vital information that I need to include in, say, their website copy. Number 16, this is a simple one. There is never a perfect time to launch. 
Don't wait for your website to be finished. Well, wait for your website to be finished, but don't wait for it to be completely perfect. That day is never coming. You don't have to wait for your business cards to arrive before you launch. Uh, You don't need to have a podcast as well as a website. You can do the podcast later. Just get out there and you can tweak it afterwards. Just because you're launching, it doesn't mean that you can't add or remove anything from your service. You just need to launch it and see what happens. You'll be able to tweak things based on the feedback and things take time. You know, even now, years in, I'm still changing things based on the feedback that I get or realizing what's working and what's not, but you just have to get out there, get your Instagram, get your website live and start actually reaching out to people and start spreading the word that you exist because the longer you wait, the longer that you're not in business. And in six months time, you're going to look back and think, shit, I wish I had just launched then I would have been six months into my business now. So just figure out what the highest priority things are you need to do to launch and get them done. You can do everything else later. Number 17, somebody wanted to know about productivity. I mean, I'm probably not the best person to ask about productivity, but I'll try. So one of the things that I do is work in blocks. So of course, like everybody, I get distracted and I procrastinate, but I find that working in blocks really, really works for me and I turn off all distractions. So especially if I'm writing copy or writing an article, I make sure to turn off my Slack, which is like the messenger service. I check out of my emails and I just focus on the task at hand. And then I don't check any of the emails or Slack until I'm completely done. Or another thing that I do is put my phone on do not disturb and put it in my drawer so I can't be distracted by that. And I block out a certain amount of time to do each task. Another idea is to figure out when your brain is most productive and plot out tasks based on that. So for me, I'm probably more creative in the afternoon. So I try to do all of my admin stuff in the morning and then spend the afternoon doing any creative tasks. And then in terms of days, I find that on a Friday, I don't really want to be doing like really important work. So I try to put in anything that's kind of like my invoicing or emails or even podcast recording, any of those tasks I will put on a Friday because I know that come Friday, I'm, I'm a bit over the week to be honest. So I just want to be doing something with a little bit less brain power. So figure out what times work best for you and what days work best for you. And obviously that takes time to figure it out, but start playing around with your calendar so you can actually get the most out of your day. Number 18, have something that excites you so you can stay motivated. So somebody else asked on Insta, how, what are my biggest tips for staying motivated? I often find that if I'm not being fulfilled by the work that I'm doing, that's when I start to lose interest. But as soon as I kind of think of a new exciting project, then I get really, really excited and I'm so much more motivated. So even before I started this podcast, I kind of felt like I needed a project to reinvigorate me. And as soon as I had the podcast course that I was working on, I was so much more excited to get started working. Now that we're coming to the end of the year, I'm sort of getting a little bit tired and I'm like thinking about 2021. So I'm already trying to think of new projects and ideas that can keep me really motivated and excited as we head into the new year. It's kind of like when you have a holiday planned 
immediately you're so much more happy because you've got something to look forward to. You're at work all day, every day. So it needs to excite you and make you happy and really align with your personality and your values. So make sure you've always got an exciting project to keep you motivated, even if it's not for monetary value or if it's for work or even if it's for marketing, even if it's just for you, if it's a personal project or a passion project, at least you've got something that aligns with you and excites you. I promise you, you will be much more motivated if you've got that. Number 19, beware of social media. Oh, I have such a love-hate relationship with social media. I have a massive problem with comparing myself. And if you are the same, just ban yourself. Or another thing that I like to do is give myself little blocks of time. So in the morning when I have my coffee, for example, I might scroll on Instagram. And then in the afternoon, I might post my afternoon post and have a scroll then. Obviously, it doesn't always work. Sometimes I'll find myself like down the rabbit hole three hours on social media. (laughs) But I find that if I am on social media, I start comparing myself. I'm like, oh, that person's bringing out a book or that person's starting a podcast or that person's doing this, that person's doing that. And then I start feeling guilty that maybe I'm not achieving as much as they are. So if that's the case for you as well, give yourself boundaries for social media. Try not to spend too long and even unfollow people that make you feel like you're not achieving enough. The other thing that it can help with is overcoming your fear of getting out there. So obviously it's really important to show your face on stories, for example, but it can be really scary. So one thing that I would recommend is filming some stories, even if you're not actually posting them, film them for a few days just to get comfortable with seeing yourself on camera. And then over time, you will develop a little bit more confidence and you can start posting some of that content to your Instagram. And lastly, number 20, outsource the shit that you're bad at. Outsourcing is my 2020 word. My new favorite word. So obviously the super group is all about outsourcing. So we have a team of freelance writers, but it's not even just that. There's so many other things that are perfect to outsource. For me, anything accounting wise, because I'm not really a numbers person, I would love someone else to just take over that for me. Another thing for me is admin. So having someone that can keep track of all of my projects and all of my writers, getting rid of all those tasks that you probably can do. You might be actually very good at them, but they they might be time wasters. So I actually kind of like sending out my invoices and I like doing admin, but I know that it's not the best use of my time. So it's smarter for me to give those tasks to someone else so I can better focus my time on doing the things that I'm best at. So if you're in the early stages, but you still need some extra hands, whether that's for the actual service that you offer or maybe something like admin or finances, consider contractors because obviously you don't have to pay them a secure wage and it means that you don't have to pay all those entitlements as well. So they're a great choice if you want to expand or just need some help but aren't in the mood for full-time employees just yet. At the end of the day, outsourcing is spending money, of course, but you have to spend money to make money. And if you're working out that you're spending five hours a day wasting time on those tasks, imagine all the things you could get done with that extra five hours a day. You could be making so much more money and getting your business out there. Okay. So they are my 20 biggest things that I wish that I knew when I started Bossy. Sorry if I was rambling. I actually didn't really take any notes today, so it was a bit ad-lib, but I would love to hear your thoughts. Come over to Instagram and send me a DM at bossy.copywriting and let me know if you need any more advice. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Bossy Type. 
If you haven't already, tap the subscribe button for new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you got something out of this episode, I'd love it if you could rate, review, share on Instagram, text your friends, tell the whole world, all the things. In the meantime, come hang out with me on Instagram at bossy.copywriting or at Elise Elise, spelled A-L-Y-C-E. Bye.